Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, and whether you're local or a long distance, we're so grateful that you call South Bend City Church your community. A couple of reminders before we get to today's conversation. So this year, for Ash Wednesday, instead of holding our own gatherings or posting on our podcast, we invite the South Bend City Church community here in South Bend to join one of our new neighbors downtown. You can join either the Cathedral of St. James or First Presbyterian Church for their Ash Wednesday liturgies on Wednesday, February 14th. St. James will have two services this year, one at 7 a.m. that's intended to be a quick stop on your way to school or work, and one that's at 7 p.m. that's a full-fledged liturgy, and First Presbyterian will have their service at noon. This practice marks the beginning of Lent, a time for reflection and preparation as we move toward Holy Week. So for those who wish to participate, those liturgies will include receiving a sign of the cross in ash on our foreheads as a reminder of our mortality and an invitation into the holiness of the Lent season. So if you live in the South Bend area, make sure to join one of those gatherings. Also, as Lent leads us into Holy Week, we prepare for a fresh encounter with a paradox of God who suffers with us. So this year we have a unique opportunity that we're trying out. This year, Ken Oakes, a South Bend City Church member and a professor of systematic theology at Notre Dame, will be teaching a Thursday night class called God, Suffering, Evil. This class will include an exploration of the Book of Job, James Cone's The Cross and the Lynching Tree, the movie Inside Out, and Nicholas Wolterstorff's Lament for a Son. If you ever found yourself asking the question, how can God be good, how can God be all-powerful, and how can evil still exist in the world, this is a class for you. Right now, this is only an in-person opportunity. We hope in the future we'll be able to create opportunities for our long-distance community members and also our local community members that can't make it to join in with this type of learning opportunity. To learn more about the class, look out for the podcast episode coming tomorrow, February 6th, where Jay and Ken talk about this class, both how it shows up in his teaching at Notre Dame and also how he's adapted it to bring it to our community. So this class will meet from 7 to 8.30 on Thursday nights during Lent, starting February 15th, and this will happen at Studebaker 112. Please register for this. The link is down in the show notes below. And know that this is not a pop-in, pop-out situation. If you're signing up, your intention is to be there. Even though attendance won't be taken, we would love for you to be there every single week of this class. Now, we've got a lot of important and beautiful things happening in the life of our community But another important and beautiful thing happening right now in the month of February is Black History Month. We're taking this month to elevate and celebrate the voices of our black brothers and sisters. And we're doing so by resharing some of our resources that we've created over the years. So keep an eye out on our social medias for that as we highlight some of those resources and some of the voices we've had the opportunity to hear from in the past. All right, one more little teaser announcement. I know the Super Bowl is next week. It's a big day, but it's also a big day here at South Bend City Church because we will be announcing our move dates. Yes, we are moving to the Tribune, and it's coming soon, and we cannot wait to share more information with you on February 11th. So keep your eyes peeled for that. As always, if you consider South Bend City Church to be your home, you can give. It's through your generosity that we're able to even exist, but even more so, the way in which we're able to show up as grace and peace for the city and for the world. So if you want to give financially in that way, you can head to the link in the show notes below, and you can give to our general fund. You can continue to give to the Tribune Fund or the CARE Fund or any other fund that you see there. We just thank you for the ways in which you step up in that way. All right, so we are in week three of our See the City conversation series. As we prepare to move to the Tribune and pursue our vision of creating a place for the people, 
We've curated four weeks of conversations with local leaders and experts about different needs and experiences that shape the people of our city. This weekend, we heard from Willow Weatherall, Executive Director of DTSB, Downtown South Bend. DTSB is a nonprofit organization solely dedicated to the advancement and enhancement of our city's economic and cultural center. Their hyper-local focus ensures the continued growth, belonging, safety, and prosperity of downtown South Bend while partnering with people and organizations who love the city. So this weekend, we talked about revitalizing the city and the ways in which we can practically step up. So let's jump in with Willow, our executive pastor, Matt Graybill, and the rest of our community now. All right. That's all the announcements for today. Uh, But let me share a little bit about where we're going today. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been having conversations with community partners, people that lead organizations or lead in our city and ways that we can open up our eyes to the needs around us. And some of what's prompted this for us is actually our move to the Tribune. Um, the Tribune, uh, years ago, the masthead for the Tribune uh, said, South Bend Tribune, a paper for the people. Uh, and so when we looked at purchasing and renovating this building, we're like, what if this moves from a paper for the people, but the building's actually a place for the people? a place for people to come together and gather like we're doing, but also a place that can meet common good on common ground. Um, And so we've been working hard with community partners to be a place for the people. Um, But we've talked about, you can't be, you can't just have the building and be a place for the people without being a people for the people. And how do you be a people for the people? Well, you actually like see people. You see what's happening in people's lives and you step into life with them. And so these conversations have allowed us to kind of open our eyes to like what's happening in our city, what's happening with the people of South Bend. And so we'll have one of those conversations today, but I wanted to go back to a verse that's been guiding us in Luke and it's commonly referred to as the Good Samaritan passage. This is in Luke 10, 31 through 33. And there's something that just kind of, as, as we were reading this the past couple weekends, uh, something that kind of just caught my attention that I hadn't seen before. So let me read this first, and then we'll talk about it. A priest happened to be going down the same road. So to set this up, uh, there's somebody that approaches Jesus, and he's saying, what do I need to do to like experience the fullness of life? And Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you also must love your neighbor as yourself. And then this person says, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus goes on and shares this story saying a priest happened to be going down the same road uh, where they saw someone in need. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, and a Levite is also someone who would be like, have all the credentials of a, with, with spirituality. Um, when he came to the place and saw this person in need, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who in that day would probably have every excuse to actually go to the other side of the road, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. So Jesus is sharing this story about someone who's uh, alongside the road uh, in desperate need of help. And the people that you would think would stop uh, and spend time with this person or care for their needs um, by their religious context of, of being a priest and a Levite actually the thing that stood out to me is they actually went over to the other side of the road. They saw the need, but then they went over to the other side of the road. Um, But then the Samaritan actually met them in the place that they were. 
And for me, it just, I just remember, it just brought out to me that like proximity is so important to seeing people. And sometimes uh, it's easy to see a need and then jump to the other side of the street. And I wonder if Jesus were here today, if he was sharing that story, if he would say, you saw the need and you went to the other side of the street. You saw the need and you ended up on the other side of the tracks. You saw the need and you actually went on the other side of the river. You saw the need and you set up shop at a different part of the office. Or you, sh you saw a need and you actually moved to a different neighborhood. Um, when my wife and I and our family moved here five years ago from Southern California, uh, our middle school son was uh, getting some orthodontist work done. And this person said to our son, well, where did you move to? Where did you live? And our son Aaron said, uh, we moved to like kind of west of like downtown. And the orthodontist said, well, I hope you have a gun. Okay, so first of all, that's wrong on a number of levels. Like, and I always feel like the dentist or orthodontist always does that when they're like either working on your mouth and it's hard to respond. Uh, but one, you should not be saying that to a middle school kid. Um, two, like it just, it brought a little bit of fear for my wife and I because we had just moved into the neighborhood. Um, but as I reflect on that, Obviously, uh, this person's like viewpoint um, was shaped by something, right? Um, shaped by like, I'm not going to go into that neighborhood. I'm going to live on the other side of the street or a different place. And this is no indictment in terms of where you live or um, where you travel. But for us, it's been a beautiful experience in the place that we live, not void of pain or our hardship, but it just reminded me, that verse reminded me that proximity is so important to actually seeing our neighbor. And as we, as a community, move to the Tribune, uh, which actually is more central downtown, um, that proximity is going to allow us to see the needs of our communi community even more so. Um, and how, as a church community, will we respond to that? Uh, some might say, well, you're already in downtown South Bend. But the truth is, we're actually behind a few gates. Um, and so it feels a little bit different than actually being right in the middle of downtown. And so we're not asking people to step into harm's way or put yourself in an unsafe situation, and we're thinking about safety. But we also know it's going to require more of us as a church community as we step into proximity and place um, loving and meeting our neighbors on common ground. So we've been having these conversations. The first week was on uh, about homelessness with Carl Hetler, who's the director of um, coordinates uh, the homeless initiative in South Bend for the city of South Bend. And then last week we talked with Juan Constantino at La Casa and had a great conversation there. If you missed any of those, you can go to the podcast. Today I'm excited to welcome Will Willow Weatherhall, who's the executive director of uh, DTSB Downtown South Bend. So if you could give her a warm welcome to the stage, that'd be great. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, welcome. This isn't your first time to the stage. You've been here uh, for events and moments, and you're part of South Bend City Church community. So yeah. I'll just say welcome back, not, not welcome. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Who's, who's Willow? Well, um, <clears throat> I am a transplant from the East Coast. I grew up in Maine, and I moved to the South Bend area in um, 2001 to do a master's in international peace studies at the Kroc Institute at Notre Dame. 
Yeah. And um, it, uh, so 20 plus years, um, this is home. I'm raising three amazing kids. And um, wait, why'd you stay? You came for school, but why'd you, I why'd know. you stay? I know. I, and then I stayed. Well, part of why I stayed is um, the, the sort of niche area that I was studying in international peace studies was how post-conflict societies rebuild. And I was on target to do international development work. And I realized looking around South Bend that even though we hadn't been through a violent conflict, there were a lot of very, very similar characteristics. So there was, um, you know, serious economic decline, social fractioning, like, you know, people didn't trust local government. There's all kinds of different divisions and divides in the community. And I thought, I have something to contribute here. Um, so that was that was part of saying, saying yes and also just seeing... Um, you know, knowing that I wanted to have a family and, and raise kids, and I just really saw an opportunity um, to, yeah, to plant roots. Yeah, and you are contributing. Um, you may not know this, but Willow is actually a big part of us landing in this particular space as a church community. Don't blame her for the lack of heat when we've had to, like, uh, shut down because of no heat or ice in the parking lot, but she was really instrumental in bringing that. And now you're the executive director of uh, DTSB, or Downtown South Bend, yep. which... I didn't realize that uh, is not actually like a function of the city in terms of like you're not a city employee, right? Tell us a little bit about downtown South Bend, DTSB. Yeah, it's, it's a common, um, excuse me, misperception that downtown South Bend is, is part of the city. And we work very, very closely with our city partners, but we're an independent nonprofit and we're the only nonprofit that is, that's uh, solely dedicated to downtown development and revitalization. Um, our mission is really simple. It's um, to advance and enhance the, the um, economic and cultural heart of our city. And the vision that we have for downtown South Bend is that it is a vital, vibrant, and irreplaceable Midwest city center that's both a beacon and a boon to all of South Bend and the surrounding region. Um, and the work we do is incredibly varied. Um, it's one of the things that I love about um, downtown development work. There's there's not an issue that you, that sort of doesn't find some nexus point to downtown, but the four key areas that we work in are business recruitment and business development. We have this um, beautiful ecosystem of independently locally owned businesses downtown. Um, we have a very visible ambassador program. That's often how people kind of recognize the work that we do. So those are the folks in the red shirts downtown and their, um, cleaning and beautifying and doing event support. Um, most people don't know that they also offer um, escorts. So if you're downtown and you want somebody to walk you back to your vehicle or meet you at your vehicle to walk you someplace, it's one of the favorite parts of their job. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and um, so we also have dedicated safety patrols. We work really closely with um, a group of police officers that are downtown four nights a week. And um, we produce a ton of events every year. It's one of the ways that we really help connect the community to downtown. And we do a lot of advocacy work around kind of best practice and policies that really help um, support a thriving downtown. Gotcha. What would be like a few of the events that like come to mind for you that people like get engage with? Yeah, so the, um, some of the images that just popped up on the screen are from our first Friday's events. Uh, these ones happen to be from the summer months. And we really, um, so every first Friday downtown, we have a different theme. Um, this is an image of some of my favorite volunteers, Trina and Beverly. Um, they are dressed as um, 
Cinderella and Ariel. So we have a um, uh, kids' night out theme um, that we do in the summer times. There's Buzzy, our mascot. Um, Buzzy is learning a dance from this little girl and um, are, is doing the best uh, that they can to keep up. But um, yeah, we, we engage about 90,000 people every year um, with um, a whole host of, of free events that we offer to draw people downtown. So uh, this conversation might feel like, oh wait, we were talking about homelessness, we are talking about immigration, yeah. and now we're talking about downtown development. Yep. And so you might be sitting here and you're like, I live an hour away from here, or uh, I just thought I was coming to church today. Like, why should we care about this? I love this question, like, why does downtown matter? Why, sh why should we care about downtown? Um, if we could throw up the image of um, the this, this sort of uh, downtown map with the big spires coming out of it. Yes, thank you. This is an image that um, really changed my life and changed how I thought about downtown. So what we're looking at is, uh, data visualization, it's a representation of how much tax revenue is generated per acre. And so the tall purple spires that you see, those are the places, like when we're visualizing, like what does it mean to have an economic engine downtown? Those are the places that are producing the most in terms of tax revenue relative to what we need to spend to maintain the infrastructure there. And so the two key places that are really an economic driver for our community are Eddy Street Commons and downtown. And the reason, so, so in this second image, um, so on the sort of top of the line with the spires, that's where there's a net positive tax revenue being produced. And then um, the bottom part where you see the lines coming down, those are places that are wildly expensive to maintain um, and don't produce a lot of tax revenue. So my whole point of why downtown matters is there's very few places in our city that really are a true economic engine and the money that is produced there helps subsidize quality of life for the rest of the city. And um, everyone deserves to live in safe neighborhoods. They deserve side sidewalks that aren't crumbling. They deserve beautiful parks. They deserve to drive on streets without potholes. And the truth is our city is underwater. We actually don't have enough money to provide the quality of life that everyone, that, uh, that everyone deserves. So as we kind of, we talk about caring about downtown, adding new businesses, adding people living downtown, cranking, cranking up that economic engine, it's, yes, it's a benefit to downtown, but when I talk about that vision for downtown as a beacon and a boon to all of South Bend and the surrounding region, that's what we, that's what we mean, is um, making sure that we've got the resources so that everyone has a really high quality of life, no matter what neighborhood you're in. Gotcha, so downtown doesn't thrive, right? It impacts the rest of the region and the community, really. Yeah, and there's, um, there's a really important interplay between the neighborhoods in downtown in terms of the corridors and the way small businesses may develop and sort of either grow downtown and then have a second location in a neighborhood or they may start in the neighborhood and then grow their second location downtown. So we, we, it's not an either or equation, like we need to have um, vibrant neighborhoods with, um, you know, with small commercial hubs. But downtown is sort of the, f the fastest, in investing in downtown and really thinking about it, loving it, helping to build it up is kind of the fastest way we get to have the resources that, that I think we need to, um, you know, have, have a great, have great neighborhoods as well as a great downtown. Yeah. Um, I've heard others and you talk about like South Bend was this thriving, um, moving, uh, place. And then, 
and then you and then it had a fall, right? Yeah. Um, wh- what do you like? Talk a little bit about that. Like it was listed as what one of the most dying cities in the country. Uh, where was it? Uh, where is it now? What do you see? What are the shifts? What do you see happening? Well, if we could throw up that picture of the Oliver Hotel in 1967. Um, so downtown was um, an incredibly, um, you know, successful, thriving city. We had a lot of industry here, Studebakers, you know, the, the company that we think of that built South Bend. But um, in the 1960s and 70s, we made a lot of decisions um, that we're still trying to recover from. And one of those things, when we talk about that vision of downtown being um, irreplaceable, we, we didn't treat downtown and the assets that we had there as irreplaceable. We treated them as disposable. So this is an image of um, the Oliver Hotel, which was a beautiful, beautiful um, building downtown. It uh, was located where the Loft Hotel sits today um, that's being taken down. And we did this with many, many buildings downtown and, and uh, with the thought that something you know, better was coming. It didn't. We still have all of these surface lots downtown today. So. Um, this is sorry, I've like lost my train of thought now. But where we're going? So yeah, like what's the sh- like? So yeah, so there's then, a period of time they're taking everything down. Actually, it hurts my heart to like see that it's that painful historic yeah. building like being brought down. But uh, so in a pretty like bad spot. But now you feel like things are shifting in a new direction, right? They're definitely shifting, and um, so you know, there's it's was many decades of of you know struggle after the 1960s. And then, Matt, you mentioned this sort of, what I see as a sort of a pivotal moment in our more recent history was when South Bend was named a top 10 dying city by Newsweek, and that was in um, 2011. And I say that it was one of the best things that could have happened to our community because it, basically the community response was, oh, no, we're not. (laughs) Oh, no, we're not. (laughs) We're going to show you. And we did. You're talking about South Bend, Oregon. Yeah. We're not a a dying city. Um, And one of the ways that they measured being a dying dying city was based on population loss. And the great news is that that we've, you know, we've turned the corner. So we're having like net population increase now, which is wonderful. And then in the last 10 years, we've really seen, um, you know, just an incredible revitalization happening. So um, I use an example of, of this building. This is on the 500 block of South Michigan Street. Actually, just in the last couple of years, there's been a huge shift of um, uh, buildings that were long vacant, like vacant for, for decades, that have now been purchased. They're under local ownership, and they're being brought back to life. So the Monarch Building is just one of them. These images are from the interior of the Inwoods Building, which is on the 400 block of South Michigan. So these buildings are kind of catty corner to one another. That whole intersection of uh, Michigan and Monroe, there's like this group of like rock star women developers that are revitalizing properties, and then they're gonna be doing some new construction as well in that area. So. Um, it's really encouraging to see um, people treasuring the assets that we do have, um, to see things coming under local ownership. The last two years, we welcomed 31 businesses downtown. Uh, 54% are women and minority owned, so like the face of business is changing. Yeah, that's amazing. About 350 new residential units are being added downtown. So there's, um, there's yeah, things are, you know, there's been, a, there's been a steady progression over the last 10 years, and then we're on the cusp of 
a billion dollars of new investment that's that's right on the horizon. So uh, say that one more time because that might have like missed people. Like a billion, a billion dollars of new investment. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy because you do this kind of you know downtown development work and it's like a little baby step, a baby step, a baby step, another little business here. This this building gets revitalized, um, you know, and then a decade later. You know, it feels like this big transformation almost overnight. So we're at the cusp of what I see. You know, a few years from now, we're like, "Holy cow!" Downtown looks a lot different. So some of the new investment that's coming um, relates to um, development that's happening on the northern edge of downtown, with some expansion kind of connected adjacent to Memorial Hospital. Some of it is connected to Notre Dame's recent announcement of purchasing the Tribune building, not the Tribune printing press building. Yeah, thanks for clarifying because <laughs> yeah. uh, I got so many texts the day um, Notre Dame made the announcement that they purchased the Tribune or they acquired the Tribune building. A lot of you are protective and defensive. You're like, no, wait, that's our building as a church. Um, it's a really big building. So Notre Dame has about 145,000 square feet. There's a little bridge that then connects to the press building side, which is the side that we've purchased and are renovating. So that, so yeah, Notre Dame's moving into neighborhood memorial. Uh, the Morris is expanding. The Morris, the Morris Performing Arts is expanding. There's um, uh, new development plans on the west side of the river where the Crow and Press Ganey buildings are. So um, a lot, a, a lot of investment is coming. Um, you know, even in this neck of the woods, the, um, uh, excuse me, investments that are happening at Four Winds Field, the ballpark, yeah. um, stadium expansion plans, you know, the vision to have um, uh, South Bend Cubs become a AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs would be a total game changer. So working yeah. towards that in 2030, you know, just that's stuff super exciting. Like that. It's like you're, you, you know, know. The, and the city is working on a downtown development plan. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and like, like why our voice matters. Well, when you have that level of investment, you know, starting to happen when you don't have a clear plan. Sometimes investment can land in places where it's maybe um, not fully aligned with community values or not necessarily in the most like productive place for it. So um, a plan, you know, the downtown plan really is an expression of values and it's a framework so that as um, investment comes to the city or this or city leaders are looking at what's next, it's really important to, um, to have that have things down on paper. I know a lot of people think um, a plan just gets shelved, nobody looks at it, and it's, it's really, um, it becomes a very, very important guide, especially over the next decade for um, people to know, um, you know, what people value, what they want to see in their downtown. So this month is um, the launch of the public engagement sessions to get feedback. There's no um, idea for what downtown might be that's like, that's too big, that's too grandiose. Like, we want people to come with big ideas. Um, yeah. yeah, what what they want to see. So if you're ever downtown, you're like, I wish South Bend, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, bring that to the table. Bring it to the table. I love some of the questions, you shared this with me, that, that they tend to, like, ask, like, the, the city was working on a 2045 plan a little while ago. But, like, tell us about, like, um, if South Bend were an animal. Yeah, so I love, I mean, sometimes when you do these vision sessions and you're like, what do you want to see? And it's it's a super big question and you're being asked to, to envision, you know, 10, 20 years from now. And I like to start with um, kind of lower risk questions that are just fun that get your imagination going. So... 
Um, some of the questions that we like to start with, um, is, one of them is, you know, if South Bend were an animal today, what would it be? And how about 10 years from now, 20 years from now? And when we've, we've done sessions, you know, people had such great responses to that question. And it really is a reflection of kind of where they're at and their relationship to the city. So we've had people say, you know, right now South Bend is an elephant. It's, um, it's wise, it's very caring, it's part of a community, it's nurturing, it's, it's you know, very attentive to its um, young and kind of like building them up. And, and they said, you know, in 10 years, we want downtown to be a herd of elephants. You know, we just want to like super, supercharge the, um, you know, all those great qualities. Other people said, well, it's in the larval stage <laughs> and we're not sure if it's going to um, hatch into like a moth that's a pest or a beautiful butterfly. Hard to say. We're, we're, you know, which which way are we going to go, South Bend? Um, so those are, you know, those are just fun ways to kind of, you know, think about your own relationship to the city in, in just a, you know, kind of a fun way. But I also love questions that help um, uh, help people think about what would their ideal day in South Bend look like ten years from now, and to be present to like adding ten years to your life and just thinking about, you know. Um, your mobility, your age, your family, like your work, just kind of the stage that you are at in life and think about the kind of experience from the start of the day to the finish of the day that would, you know, bring great, like, you know, be, um, you know, filled with great uh, quality of life experiences. So, right. Yeah. I think like, you know, for some people that might be like, oh, thinking about their grandchildren and yeah. places they can bring them or nature or, yeah, like you said, even like, uh, like mobility and like, you know, that, that all changes the plan, right? Yeah. One of the things when we, when we ask that question, you know, to imagine your ideal day, um, nowhere in someone's ideal day was there any mention of like driving and the hassle of parking. It was all about walkability and bikeability and even kayaking. Like, you know, they, they don't want a vehicle to get in the way of, um, connecting with their favorite people, enjoying arts and culture and food. Um, and so that was really tell telling, you know, is just driving towards a vision of, of a very walkable, interconnected, beautiful place. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm going to shift a little bit here. There, um, before, well, actually, let's put on the screen, if you don't mind, I'm going to throw a curveball here, Willow. Sure, the, go for the it. meeting that is uh, happening here uh, coming up. So... Uh, you mind talking a little bit about this, Willow? Yeah. So this this month is the kickoff to a whole series of visioning sessions for the downtown plan, and the first the first sort of public opportunity to engage is on Tuesday, February twentieth. Both of these there'll be more sessions than this, but this is this is the start, and it'd be wonderful for for our community to come out and really participate. So that Tuesday evening there'll be a guest speaker that will kind of you know provide a bit of a framework. And then on Thursday, if you can't come to Tuesday, on Thursday, it's an open session. So from noon to 6 p.m., um, folks will be there. I'll be, I'll be there. And you can, you know, engage with people and just share, you know, share ideas and do some, you know, do a few activities. Um, and um, the, the thing that's really, to me, like, special about downtown, it really is a place for everyone. So whether you live in South Bend proper and in one of the neighborhoods or, you know, or outside, you know, outside the area, um, 
it's a place where um, the type of programming, the public places, the cultural amenities, the parks, um, they're places where everybody gets a chance, you know, to come. So please don't think like, well, I don't live in South Bend, I might not have something to say. Like, we, we want to hear from you. Um, we want to hear from people who already love downtown. We want to hear from people who don't go to downtown. It's not in your decision set, or maybe you've got some, you know, concerns. All of those different perspectives need to be represented so we know, um, yeah, how to get to the best place in the next 10 yeah. years. Like, uh, tell us about Sid. She kind of did that with her voice. And she did. Um, I might get a little teary-eyed. Um, my friend um, Sid Maravolo is the lady in the upper right-hand corner. She just um, passed away last month. She's a, just a really special dy dynamic woman, but she uh, walked into my room, um, not my room, she walked into my office uh, two years ago and, unannounced and, and said, uh, I have an idea to make downtown more beautiful. And so she got her friends together and they call themselves the Downtown Gardening Gals. And um, I think the planters on Michigan Street looked gorgeous last year. It's in large part to her and, and the volunteers that came out to help um, design and plant and, and then keep up with the planters. So um, that's, you know, that's one of the joys of the job is um, connecting with people that have an idea and not just a complaint that I should take care of and do something, but like they're bringing an idea to the table of something that they want to do and, and um, that we can partner on. Yeah, I love that. Anytime I visit Chicago, actually, I think uh, when I'm on like the Lake Trail, I think like the foresight there to how much planning can like influence a city or an area, right? Because you see all these people riding bikes or walking or running. And I just think like the wellness that that's probably brought to people in the city. But there was a specific moment where they had to determine like, we're not going to build skyscrapers right on the water. Correct. We're actually going to preserve this for land purposes. Forever uh, clear. Yeah. Free so and I think clear. That, forever free and clear. Yeah. Forever yeah. free and clear. I think yeah. like the planning there. So bringing your voice to that's really important. You brought your voice to the. Um, faith communities. Um, the city of South Bend was work, kind of dreaming big 2045 plan. And then you pushed the city to say, hey, you need to talk to faith communities and faith leaders. Yep. Why'd you do that? Well, um, I did it because um, as far as I could see in any comprehensive plan that had been done in the past, and certainly any work that I could see from the history of downtown South Bend, like we hadn't really engaged the faith community. Um, in our downtown footprint, about 13% of the property is held by um, faith-based organizations. They're an incredibly important part of the ecosystem. And I had attended a conference about a year and a half ago where I met leaders of sacred spaces um, that were doing really, really exciting things with their properties. They were leaning in on affordable housing. Some of them um, were using their properties to start grocery stores. And many cases, um, what we're seeing as a, um, a trend across the country is you know, beautiful historic churches or sacred spaces that have dwindling congregations, and they're trying to figure out what, what to do with these assets. And right now we're in the middle of one of the largest transfers of, of property from, you know, faith-based or, faith, faith organizations to the private sector. And um, it's not inherently a bad thing, but it's something we should be attending to because once these places then move to the private sector, you don't typically get them back for the public good. So I think faith communities have a really um, 
they're wonderfully positioned to think big about their mission, and especially for churches in our downtown that may have had, um, you know, they're in the opposite situation as South Bend City Church, where our congregation is growing, you know, we purchased a new building, but they're grappling with um, what to do with their properties, and I thought inviting them into this visioning conversation, like, also helps them think big again, and, you know, get just realize like just because they're a small congregation and maybe the numbers don't look the same, there may be just a different way that they can live out their mission. So I was excited about the interplay between, you know, what those conversations um, could mean, you know, for our community more broadly and then for those individual congregations as well. Yeah, well, they've meant a lot. And I just want to say thank you publicly because that pulling those faith leaders together in, in one room started something a year ago of regular meetings, being in each other's spaces, working together on uh, common initiatives, to the point where the city's actually taken notice of it, saying, we actually need your input as we develop the plan, um, and working together really for the common good in downtown South Bend. Like you said, like there's spaces in other uh, communities where they're actually thinking, how can we use our space um, for the sake of the city and people in it as well? Yeah, I mean, churches are leaning in, like, how do we participate as, like, a small business incubator? Like, how do we open up our commercial kitchen and let these, like, early-stage food-based businesses make sure that they've got a place to, um, you know, to, to grow? So there are all kinds of different ways. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of times churches think about their mission as sort of meeting direct need with, like, a food pantry or a soup kitchen, and um, these were conversations, I think, to take, like, the next, you know, next step beyond that, so... Yeah. For sure. And Faith's played kind of a role in your leadership, right? Yeah. Um, I love this image. This is um, the image that's up on the screen is um, a Christmas ornament that we um, worked with the Innovation Lab at Notre Dame to produce. So it's like just a simple iHeart SB ornament. Um, that's obviously at the core of the work that I do to love our downtown. But in the background, very close by, this is my Christmas tree, you'll see um, the peace ornament. So that's a South Bend City Church ornament. And so very close, always like kind of informing in the back of the work is the grounding of this church. And I love the um, mantra, everyone an icon. I have a little card um, on my desk and try to just, you know, be present to that mantra as I'm working and interacting with people. You might imagine that I don't always get people like Sid walking into my office, you know, with a great idea to beautify downtown. You know, there are people that, um, they see the gap between where things currently are and where they'd like to, them to be, and they're, they're not happy about it. They're not happy about it. So it's, it's a nice reminder just to be with people. And the worst thing to me is when somebody is apathetic and resigned. Um, when somebody is angry and upset, even though it might be a bit of an uncomfortable conversation, it still means that they care. And there's often a productive place that you can get to. So, um, but it's, it's not always fun. But the everyone in ICON, like, you know, and whether that's working with our homeless population, you know, we employ a full-time outreach ambassador. It's a key part of what we do. Like, every week we're working on some of the hardest cases downtown. We partner with Carl, um, you know, and we're interacting with people that are experiencing kind of the lowest point of their life and the highest point of their life and, and everything in between. And... They're all in the image of God. 
So yeah, I yeah. love that. And if you want to pick up one of those mantra cards, there's one in the corner. But I know for several people in our community, it's just kind of the reminder that you need when you get that call or have that conversation, uh, just to center yourself in those, those moments. Uh, last question. I'm, let's get down to like the practical. Um, what would be like? What are some practical things that people can do? Maybe they're just like little things, but they have like big impact. Um, I mean, you're a part of this this community. Like, challenge us, encourage us. What what is? Yeah. Um, well, some of the like I think the littlest or the simplest things that you can do. Um, it's just a, it doesn't even cost any money. But you can come to First Friday events, enjoy the programming. This last Friday was fire and ice. We had fire dancers and some more stations and fireworks and ice carving. It was all free, um, open to the community. So um, there are really simple ways to just enjoy the events that are produced. Um, you can walk along the river walk, like get your steps in and you know join a friend um, and enjoy some of the um, you know the trails and the beauty of downtown. Grab a cup of coffee, like patron a locally owned downtown business. Um, I encourage people to just, um, you know, some folks in this room are very familiar with downtown. You love it already. You go to the Morris, you go to the Civic Theater, um, you eat downtown. But if if you haven't, if if downtown is not familiar to you, um, you know, once we move into the Tribune building, think about going to brunch, you know, at a downtown restaurant afterwards, or um, checking out some exhibits at the South Bend Museum of Art. I had this um, lovely experience, unusual and lovely experience recently. I um, was in my office. It's another, like, you know, you just never know who's going to come into your space. I heard this, like, very loud sobbing, wailing outside my office. And I went out to see, you know, what is happening here? And there's two young women, they were St. Mary's students, and one is just completely inconsolable, just sobbing. And... I finally, you know, was working with her like, you know, what's what's happening? Wow, you're really upset. What's going on? Well, she'd lost her wallet. She drank a little too much the night before at CJ's. She, she lost it. She lost her phone. She lost her wallet. She lost her kids. She lost everything. It was, a, it was a, you know, she was really upset. Got her calmed down. We got a little shovel from the ambassador so she could go poke around in the snowbank and see if she could find it. Um, Cut to the end of the story. She found somebody else's wallet. Somebody else found hers. Oh, it all the, the whole thing all worked out. The whole thing all worked out. But as she's as we're walking out, she's calmed down. And, and our offices are in a funny location. We're tucked behind Pigeon and Hen Pottery Shop. So you got to walk through the Paint Your Own Pottery Shop to get to our offices. So she's walking back and just sniffing. And she looks around. And she goes, "This place is really cute. We got to come back down here." <laughs> so. It's just to say, like, let downtown surprise you with the types of things that you could, whether, you know, it's, go, you know, going to paint some pottery with your family, grabbing a cup of coffee, a meal, a show downtown, or just coming to some of the free programming we do. Those are all, like, just really simple ways to tap in. And um, some of the pictures that I, that I wanted to share today, they're, you know, pictures of kids, like, with sort of joyful expressions on their face. You know, this is what I hope for everybody, that, that in 2024, you experience this kind of joy downtown. Um, we really, um, you know, we try to design experiences, again, that anybody from any part of the neighborhood, any part of the city can come and um, experience life's simple pleasures. These are, um, you know, we had a very, very warm um, July, first Friday. We just put out some sprinklers. The kids had a blast. Didn't cost a lot of money. Um, and obviously, like, you know, these are things that we hope kids will um, will never forget, that 
that moment and in the history, kind of the arc of downtown South Bend, um, there's been a, there was a long window where people um, didn't go downtown or they didn't, there's a generation of people that grew up where their parents didn't bring them downtown. So a lot of what we focus on is um, making sure that we're raising up an, another generation of people that feel deeply connected and have memories, you know, joyful memories of, um, of being downtown. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. After the nine o'clock, a uh, woman came up to me. She said, I, me and my friends used to take the bus downtown. It was like the most exciting place to be. And then like in the 70s, it got to be the malls. And like that has its own experience. And she's like, but I'm excited that the downtown South Bend is coming, coming back. Um, yeah, I, I love that. This is uh, this image that's up on the screen. Um, it's one of the new murals. In the last two years, we were able to partner with Mural Mania. We added 13 new large-scale murals downtown. This is the Hard Pedal Club. It's a group of guys that have um, vintage bikes. They were just out for an awesome bike ride, checking out the murals. We've got a map on our website if you want to. Um, you can. It's a downloadable map of all of the new murals. So again, it's a free way to get your steps in and enjoy um, enjoy some of the new public art downtown. But I love I love things like this because. Public art becomes the backdrop for, you know, we see people um, out, you know, taking prom pictures or graduation pictures or, you know, we've seen people, um, you know, propose, you know, ask someone to, to marry them with the backdrop of downtown. And I just love, I love seeing those, um, you know, elements of the human experience. Yeah, yeah at, for sure. Especially like winter months. Uh, where it's really gray, just to see color in our city is really wonderful. We need it. These yeah. are the beige months, yeah. they're the permacloud months, and um, it, it really makes a difference. And those are the kind of things like, we can't control the color of every single building downtown. I can't make the permacloud go away, but we can be very thoughtful um, to help produce events and, and the things that we can control around public art and the environment to um, make downtown enjoyable like for all four seasons. Yeah, I love that. Well, Willow, thank you for your leadership um, uh, as we make this move to, to downtown. I think it's really important for us to know our city, but also the people that it represents. Um, so I'd love to just pray for you. Um, if you're able, would you stand to your feet and, and join me? Uh, loving God, thank you for Willow. I thank you for her leadership, uh, what she brings into the city, uh, and how she connects people into the city. And so I pray as a community um, that we will be cheering her on, but also uh, the city on as we move more downtown. I pray that uh, you would open our eyes to the needs, open our eyes to the opportunities, uh, open our hearts to people, and uh, may we work together together. Um, to actually bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Uh, and so I pray for Willow as she interacts with people that might have a variety of opinions, that you would just give her encouragement when she needs encouragement and, uh, and peace when she needs peace. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Willow. Could you give Willow a, a round of applause? Thanks, everyone. And, and to wrap us up here, uh, just thinking through a benediction uh, to send us out, I was reflecting on um, the passage in John 1 and the message translation where it says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and then, uh, then God moved into the neighborhood. Um, and I really love that. And so with that, uh, just wrote these, these words as a benediction for you here today. May the God of all faith, hope, and love meet you in the neighborhood, walk alongside you on your walks, sit beside you at your schools, 
show up in your cities, talk with you at your places of work, and share a meal with you around your tables. And in the everyday moments of life, with eyes wide open, may the God of all faith, hope, and love that lives in you be poured out of you and make those around you better because of you. And may grace and peace be with you. Thanks all. We'll see you next week.